Back to number four. How satisfied is someone with themselves? So you really want to know, like, what are, where is their confidence at? Where is their self-esteem at? Do they like their job? Do they feel useful? Do they feel valuable? Do they feel like they have some purpose? Or are they going to make you their purpose? And especially my anxious types are going to love that. Hey, good morning. Especially my anxious types kind of love that. Like, oh, this person is making me the center of their world because it gives an anxious type an illusion of security. It gives an anxious type the illusion that this person is never going to leave. But really, that's a huge red flag because what they're saying is that I I don't have enough. Now you have to give it to me. And if you don't. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Boundaries and Grace. I'm your host. My name is Taylor Chandler. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I help you break toxic relationship patterns. Today, this is an episode called Fuck Love Languages. I actually recorded this live on Instagram, so you may have seen it. If you have, stay here. For a refresher and if you haven't you're in for a treat because I talk about all the things that love languages leaves out some important considerations that impact our relationships greatly I hope you enjoy grab a pen and paper take some notes and I'm gonna see you at the end so love languages actually has been around for a while like love language the book was published in like 1992 um it's just that hey james it's just that a lot of people are just coming upon love languages as a thing in the last couple of years now i think i really do believe that love languages is like a really nice and simple way for people to identify what really opens up their heart naturally okay and i think that that's great but I also understand, hey, I, good morning. I also understand that love languages is a minor part of a much larger picture. And that's why I wanted to put this out there because I want to just touch on the things that love languages don't tell you and the things that are being left out of important conversations with partners. Okay, here we go. So in case you don't know, or you've never heard of love languages, like I said, like it's kind of like this way to identify what naturally opens up your heart, how you receive love and knowing your partner's love language can help you to connect with them and how they like to receive love, how they feel close to you, how they um, like to go about achieving intimacy. Okay. So it really is great. It's just, I feel simplistic, especially in the grand scheme of things. So there's five love languages. Okay, we have acts of service, gifts, um, quality time, words of affirmation, and physical touch. Okay. I just want to make a quick sidebar. A lot of guys will default to saying physical touch is their primary love language. But then when you really get into like reflection, your own reflection or you go to therapy, like you realize that that's actually not your number one. And a lot of guys will default to physical touch being their number one society, socialization, excuse me, socialization, pressure, don't want to look soft by saying it's something else. So I just want to point that out that um, women, if you are interested in men in whatever capacity, um, kind of like when you hear physical touch, just kind of note that like maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I find that women are more in tune with being accurate with what their love language really is. Hey, good morning. So those are the five love languages. So let me just touch on the things that love languages do not tell you. And I have five for you. I have five. Okay. 
Love languages will tell you how someone naturally opens up, naturally kind of like goes about intimacy and also can tell you how they are most likely to try to love you. Um, But here are some things that it won't tell you. Number one, how someone handles conflict. Okay, love languages tell you how someone loves. It doesn't tell you how someone fights. And so people are shocked. Like when, when the, when you were loving each other so well, but then a conflict comes and they argue in such a different way than they love, but you never took the time to understand or realize how do you handle disagreements? What happens? Hey, good morning. What happens when we come to a crossroads? How do you, um, what is your tone like when we disagree? Do you stonewall? Do you go cold when we disagree? Do you um, persist like above and beyond, like to the point where it's irritating me, where I feel like I can't have any space to think when we disagree. So love languages tell you how someone loves and how someone likes to be loved. It doesn't tell you how someone fights. And when I say fight, I don't mean that in a negative in a negative way. I mean, literally like have conflict. And a lot of us understand that conflict is a part of natural relationship progression and it's a part of healthy relationship to be able to express where you disagree. Um, so I don't mean that in a negative way. So love languages will not tell you how someone handles that. Number two, I feel like there was something else I want to say about that before I move on. And then I'm going to like recap it all. Oh, I wanted to say this. I want to say this. Just because you don't know how someone handles conflict yet doesn't mean that you have to trigger a conflict Women, I'm definitely talking to you. I I just, I'm, I'm like direct. Hello, ladies, please. Please don't try to start a fight. And I'm saying that because a lot of men don't do this. Like there are some, there are some gender differences. I'm very equal opportunity. I'll get in anybody's ass. I'll get in anybody's ass. But some of this shit is very gendered. I'm not going to lie. And this is one of them. Women, please don't try to trigger a conflict just to see how they handle conflict, to test your partner Especially if you're dealing with someone who's healthy and secure, they're not going to put up with that shit. It's irritating as fuck. I'm sorry. I'm a whole therapist. Yes, I'm a whole licensed therapist. And this is how we this is how we just kind of have to get to it. So you don't have to trigger a conflict in order to see how they handle conflict. Okay, just naturally notice when we disagree. Okay. Look, these men in these men in these comments, like, please tell, please, please tell them to stop starting these fights. <laughs> Trying to see what is my what is my mood like when I'm angry? What is my mood like when I'm sad? What is your mood like? When, like, fuck. Can we just live? Can we just live and experience moods like as they come? Because moods change, and so just notice when someone's mood changes and how you respond to it and how they respond to you. How about that? Re fucking relax, relax. In case you didn't catch that, so you don't have to trigger it. Just naturally kind of see where you're at. Number two, number two, number two. Let's move. Let's move to number two. Wow. The relationship with their family. Do they understand the dynamics in their relationship with their family members? Do they understand and can they express the dynamics in their relationships? Please note, I am not saying that they have to get along with everybody in their family. And plenty of people have estranged relationships, meaning like they are separate from their fa- from other fa- from family members, or even an entirely family an entire family system if the family is unhealthy. So, estrangement doesn't 
doesn't equate to unhealthy decision-making or an inability to maintain relationships. Some people are estranged from their families in order to protect themselves and to go ahead on with their lives to create healthy relationships for themselves. And they've decided to remove themselves from family members or even an entirely family system. So that's important to note. My point is, do they understand the dynamics? Can they express that to you? If they don't talk to mom and dad, okay, it's no judgment. It's no judgment. People have plenty of reasons to, plenty of reasons, valid reasons to do that. But can they express why that's happening? Like, can, can you understand what the channels of communication are like? If there's been cutoffs, are they able to express that to you? Or does it just sound like they don't fuck with anybody and that's just that? Because if that's just that, understand that you're going to be the next person where that's just that with. Like if they can't under, if they, if they have estranged relationships, hey, good morning. If they have estranged relationships with family members or friends and it's kind of like a, well, that's just how it is. Like I just, I don't, when someone breaks my trust, that's it. And they can't express how that happened or how that decision was the healthiest for them, then that's a flag. So love languages will not tell you about their relationship dynamics. It is so about self. It's about how does, how do they love and how do they receive love? Right. But doesn't tell you about how they handle conflict. That was number one. And number two, how, what is the relationship like between their families or close friends? Do, can you, can you understand the dynamics? Do they understand the dynamics? Can they express them to you? Does it make sense? And if it doesn't make sense, if it feels like, oh, that that's kind of weird or cold or whatever, then note that. I'm not saying, none of this is like a cutoff, like a deal breaker, unless it's a deal breaker for you. I'm not implying that it is. I am saying that it's something to note and to take seriously. Like if they're unable to express those dynamics, maybe they don't have the language or maybe they're hiding something. I don't know. We have to take some time and figure it out. Number three, Number three, I like this one. I, I really personally like this one. Number three, um, what is their mood like? Their mood like on average. Hey, y'all, good morning. What is their mood like on average? We all have a baseline happy. We have a baseline mood. Like when you let's say in 30 days, like like a normal 30 days, not a 30 days where like you lost your job in week one or your child was in the hospital on week two or you were on vacation for three weeks, a normal 30 days. If you were to average out your mood over those 30 days, it's going to look basically around the same base. It's going to be around the same baseline mood. We all have a baseline happy level. Okay. Like I had a friend, her name's Kelly. Okay, so I have a friend who her baseline happy is like off the fucking charts. Like she she was born on Valentine's Day, too, by the way. And she's just like love, 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 like everything is just happy. Like it's like she just never had any relationship problems in her life. She just first boyfriend just went straight to marriage. Everything's great. I don't know. This is Kelly's life. Kelly's baseline mood is like way, way, way up. Not all of us are way up there all the time, but love languages will tell you about someone's highs, okay? Not about their baseline. How are they waking up every day? What is their what is their average mood like every day? Do they enjoy every day or is that every once in a while? Are they joyful every are, are they do they, they experience joy um, regularly or is it every once in a while? Do you have to hit certain triggers and put in a certain code for them to feel happy every once in a while or can they basically sustain a level of happiness on their own? A baseline mood. And that takes time, so 
this is a different sidebar. It takes time to assess where someone's baseline is at. And so that first, like that first bit, when we, when we have that first, like explosions of attraction with someone, that's not baseline. Okay. It's exciting and even necessary for attachment, like to have those like really intense, like openings of like heart chakra and like throat chakra. And you just want to tell someone how much you love them, like them, attracted to them. And you just open up and you want to be so close. All of that is kind of like necessary in a way. It's a biological function of our bodies to be able to attach to someone, which leads us into a more sustained relationship. Sidebar. Okay, I'm sidebarring. Um, but that, that's not baseline. So love languages will tell you about some of those highs, like when I feel really, really loved. Maybe I really like physical touch. But when I'm just like basically living, where is my average mood? Is someone consistently down in the dumps and they need like, again, like a certain pattern? Hey, y'all, good morning. A certain pattern or code to be able to get them out of the slump. Take that seriously. Take that seriously because understand that you are going to be charged with this like burden of pulling them out often. So you would really like someone. It would be nice, right? And I'm just kind of like lightly saying this, suggesting this to have someone who can basically sustain a good mood so that you are not charged with the burden of creating their good mood. Okay. Cause again, after that initial like explosions of attraction, um, you would like them to be able to sustain themselves and their own emotions. Number, what is this? Four. This kind of goes with number three, but, I'm, but I set it apart because it's important. How satisfied are they with themselves? With themselves, not you. Not how much do they want to fuck you? How much do they want to go on a date with you? How much money do they want to spend on you? How satisfied are they with themselves? I don't know. This might be my favorite one. This might be my favorite one because love languages are about like, okay, because this is about like what love languages don't tell you. Love, like you, people want to find out their love languages. Honestly, the truth, the truth is that people like to know your love languages because they want to know if you're going to love them the way that they want to be loved. A lot of people, a lot of people aren't conscious and I'm serious. This is just the truth. A lot of people aren't going into it thinking, okay, do they have a love language that I would like to give? They're asking, what is your love language? Because they want to know, are you going to give me what I want? Back to number four, how satisfied is someone with themselves? So you really want to know, like, what are, where is their confidence at? Where is their self-esteem at? Do they like their job? Do they feel useful? Do they feel valuable? Do they feel like they have some purpose? Or are they going to make you their purpose? And especially my anxious types are going to love that. Hey, good morning. Especially my anxious types kind of love that. Like, oh, this person is making me the center of their world because it gives an anxious type an illusion of security. It gives an anxious type the illusion that this person is never going to leave. But really, that's a huge red flag because what they're saying is that I don't have enough. Now you have to give it to me. And if you don't, I'm going to go the fuck off. That's, that's, that's the, that's reality. That's the fucking reality. Okay. That's, this shit happens like a pattern every time. Okay. So anyway, so anyway, you would like someone who is basically satisfied with themselves. Definitely not saying that they don't have goals and aren't like trying to get somewhere else, like to a different position, higher position, whatever that means. I'm doing, a, I'm throwing a whole lot of hands this morning, whatever that means to them. But I am saying that 
um, it would be healthiest for the relationship for both people or that person that you're thinking about dating to be basically satisfied with themselves, to be basically confident, to basically feel like if you leave them, that they would still be okay. Okay. Instead of seeking people who feel like if you leave them, they would fall apart. Because when you, when you attach to people who have that like subconscious belief that I need you to feel good, I need you to feel good about me, then you are going to be burdened with their, hmm, the responsibility of their life. That's, 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 I, I think that's what I'm getting at. When, when you are, when you attach to people who aren't happy with themselves and they attach to you, what it feels like is love and lust and like excitement. What it really is, is a dysfunctional attachment and a totally impossible task of you sustaining their quality of life, their mood. And eventually resentment, resentment, all of that shit. Y'all already know. Well, maybe you don't know, but I feel like I'm going to go down a hole. It's going to take me. Okay. I think we got it. I'll move on. I'll move on. This is the, oh, last thing, last thing about that one. Last thing about that one. How satisfied are they with themselves? All of that affects how they see you. So if I don't feel good about me, those are the very people that project the most their unhappy feelings onto you. And happy people are the most likely to project their happy perceptions onto you. So the happier someone is, the more satisfied they are with you because they're just seeing happy because in them is happy because they are expressing happy on their own. They're able to sustain happy. They're able to create happy. Okay. So then when you see, when they see you, you're just grouped in with all the happy shit. Okay. When you're with somebody who, who, good morning, when you're with someone who doesn't have that, like, and I'm not saying you have to be happy all the time. That's totally not what I'm saying. If that's what you caught, I would need you to rewind this and, 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 and understand that's totally not my point. What I'm saying is like basically sustain like an average, like decent mood. Okay. Which isn't, that's not like toxic positivity. That's like, can we like a good attitude, like a good attitude is a good thing like that so when you when you're with someone who has like a basically bad attitude then you're just grouped in with all the bad shit because your brain your brain likes groups if you if you are set on seeing good positive happy your brain is going to group good positive happy which is why so many good positive happy codependent people end up getting with such toxic people because your brain wants to group them in with all the good shit and is less likely to see all the flags because you're just so set on being optimistic so it's a balance of being optimistic and being realistic okay okay so how someone sees themselves totally affects how they see you so you are better off, fuck the relationship, you as an individual within the relationship are better off being with someone who thinks highly of themselves, who think, who has a basically happy mood about life because they are also going to see you as being positive and good and being, bringing good things. They're going to group you in with it. So good. We like people with good, healthy, positive worldviews and perspectives. All right. Last thing. Last thing. Relationship reflections. So love languages will not tell you how satisfied someone is with themselves. It will tell you, I'm backed up, I backed up a second. It will tell you how to make them satisfied. It won't tell you how satisfied they already are. So let me just, 
I just had to make that point. Number five, the last one, relationship reflections. Love languages aren't going to tell you how well they did with providing or rather, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Serving. Okay, so love languages won't tell you how well that person did in expressing in the language of love of their partners from the past. It won't tell you how good they are at any of that shit, right? It just tells you what they would prefer. It tells you how they would like to be loved. It tells you how like how they are mo most likely to love you. It's not telling you how good are you at it. It's not telling you are you reciprocal in it. It's just saying, this is what I like because we're talking about what your responsibility is in like partnering and in dating and in mating. And, um, our responsibility, your responsibility is to ask the questions. Okay. And to note the gaps and then to take responsibility for what we're going to do about when things don't add up or when things don't go the way that you planned or when things are, um, when things are looking kind of funny what is your response to that? And how do you protect yourself while getting to know someone? Okay, especially when you've had a history of like betrayals and disappointments and resentments and toxic shit. I get it. So these are just considerations, the things outside of love languages that you might want to um, ask about, think about, talk to your therapist about. Okay, y'all. Um, hey, good morning. I'm logging off. I'm logging off, but catch this replay. I hope you all have a great Wednesday and big love. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that and found any of it helpful. If you did, could you rate and review the podcast? If you're in Apple, if you're in Spotify, and if you're in Apple, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any of the future episodes. I will see you next week.